This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. This Thursday, our county judge issued some new guidelines, some new orders of really a stay at home, almost a shelter in place kind of situation. And when he did that, it changed our whole strategy of how we, we do church. Now we were uh, exempted as a church. In other words, we can still do productions. We can still do these Sunday, Wednesday uh, uh, television productions or online productions. And we're glad for that. That's a, that's a blessing because you know right now more than anything, the message matters. But it, it's changed things. We still have the ability to do, we're gonna, we're gonna help our food bank uh, distribute some food. But that pretty much everything has been shut down. Change came and we had to change our strategy. Strategy is a plan, it's a, it's a systematic plan of action. And this morning I, I wanna talk about some strategies of dealing with storms. We're in the middle of a storm. There's, there's, <laughs> there's no two ways about it. This one is a storm. And how, what's our strategy in dealing with the storm? I know God's got good strategies because this is not the first storm his people have ever seen, I promise you that. And so we have some, some strategies. We're gonna talk about those this morning. So listen, because I, I really believe God has something that will really help you and encourage you today. Now strategies came from a military term, but it's not necessarily uh, used only for military. In fact, you hear businesses talk about business strategies. In fact, if you don't have a plan of action for a business, do not start or run a business without one. You need one. Communities have crisis management strategies. We were contacted last year about using our facilities as a, as a, a point of distribution in the event of a major, event, a major hurricane or, or some kind of catastrophe. There was nothing going on at the time, but they were forming a strategy, a plan of action of what they could do. There's relational strategies. Now, we don't call them that, but when we're after somebody trying to win somebody, I, I remember I had a strategy for trying to win Joy's heart and it worked. But there are strategies to, to, to winning them over or maybe rebuilding relationships. There was a man who just read a book and it was called Be the Man of the House. He finished the book and he slammed it shut and he stalked into the kitchen where his wife was reading the paper. He said, I want to tell you something. So there's going to be some changes around here. I'm the man of the house and my word is law. He says, when I come home tonight, I want my favorite dinner and I want it on the table when I step in and after dinner, you're gonna prepare my favorite dessert and then while I read the paper and relax, you're gonna do the dishes. And then when it's time to go to bed, you're going to draw my bath so I can relax and bring me my robe and give me a foot massage. He said, and in the morning, guess who is going to lay out my clothes and comb my hair? And his wife never looked up from reading the paper and she said, the funeral director would be my first guess. Now, you know what we need in here is a laugh track because every time I tell a joke and there's nothing going on, I mean, at least if it's bad, I would get a collective groan. But we still need to laugh at times like this. But, but please do not try that strategy at home now. We're all living too close. It won't work. They're strategies. But you know, God has strategies. In fact, he's the, he's the master strategist. He has business strategies. No, it's not a marketing plan, but if you read the scriptures, you'll find God's plan and principles of hard work, integrity, serving others, adding value. That's a strategy. 
He has relational strategies. I'll tell you this. One of the best relational strategies you will ever read in any book or ever see is 1 Corinthians 13, walking in love. That is the best plan of action for all kinds of relationships. It'll build them. It'll rebuild them. It'll keep them strong. But God also has crisis strategies. And Jesus gives us a little bit of insight to that when he was talking when he was here on the earth in Matthew, the seventh chapter, look at what he says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded on a rock. Jesus is giving us a strategy that works. He says, if you begin to to hear his words, if you begin to put them into practice in your life, he said, it won't stop the, the storms of life from coming. You saw the, the winds were blowing and battering. He said, it won't stop the storms from coming, but it will stop a life from being destroyed. So in other words, there's not wreckage. It's strategy of what to do in a storm. In 1879, a man by the name of George DeLong left the United States in a ship called the USS Jeanette. He had 28 crewmen with him. They were traveling far north to find and claim the North Pole for the United States. Now, it's interesting that they were launching this entire expedition on a map made by the leading map maker of the day, a man by the name of Dr. August Peterman. And Dr. August Peterman had this great theory that, that once you pass through this, this portal, he called it a geometric uh, portal, that you could pass through it and you would enter a polar ocean where you could sail just as easily as you were sailing on the Caribbean right straight to the North Pole. Now, this was not, this was not a crazy theory. This was the theory of the day. And Peterman, though he'd never been to the North Pole, created these elaborate maps. And George DeLong launched this expedition based on those maps. The problem was when they got there, I got close to it, there was no portal. There was no polar open ocean. It was, they'd, they'd been duped. The map was wrong. And what was worse is that the ice closed in around George DeLong's ship and crushed it. And his men had to separate and a group of them were able to escape into Siberia. And George DeLong never made it out alive. Based his whole expedition on a faulty map. And there's a lot of maps out there. There's a lot of philosophies, a lot of ways to live your life. A lot of them don't even include God. But I, don't, I would not want to build my life on a faulty map. But there is a map maker. There is one who knows what's up ahead. He knows the future. He knows the past. And he knows what works. And he's created a map for us, a strategy that will work. Joy and I have been married almost 38 years. It'll be 38 years in, in April. And we have seen some storms. Marriage storms, financial storms, physical sickness storms, emotional storms, family storms, you name it, we've seen it, but we're still standing. And it's not because we're amazing and it's not because we're unusual. We are determined and we don't quit, but it's because we took God's word as more than just a philosophy and we took it as a strategy for life, for relationships, for marriage, for living. And the ultimate map maker knows exactly how to navigate us through storms and he's helped us. Now, here's the good news. We're still learning. We're still growing. And the good news for you is wherever you are, you can start right now. 
and you can begin to put God's word and wisdom into your life and it will help you stand in a storm. There's a man in the Bible who had an experience with a real literal storm and we can learn some strategies from him. His name was Paul. He was an apostle and toward the end of his life, he was a prisoner on his way to Rome and they were sending him by sailing ship and they, they put him on a ship, a big ship, about 275 people on this ship. They were heading for Rome. And as they were getting ready to launch this voyage, Paul said something. He said, you know, he said, I got a perception, guys, that this is going to be a bad, a bad trip. He said, not only is the ship going down, we're going to lose our lives. But he was a prisoner. And who's listening to him? And they took off and sailed anyway. And they hit a major storm. I guess probably for us, it's a hurricane. They started throwing all the cargo overboard. They threw the tackling of the ship overboard. They're doing everything they can to lighten the ship, to make it through this storm. And this storm is not letting up. We see what happens here in the book of Acts. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. And after they'd gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice and not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. And Paul stopped speaking. But his words made such a difference. Scripture says that they'd given up hope. Well, they tried everything they knew. They threw things overboard. They, they tried to light. Every survival strategy they knew as sailors, they tried. Nothing was working. And they were, they, they'd given up hope. Hope is expectation. And they thought, man, this is, this is it. We're going, we're going under, we're going down. And they said that storm wasn't a small storm. It just kept beating on them. And they felt that, that abandonment. I hope, I hope you're not feeling that way now. But, you, but when storms just go on, boy, it, it just makes people really uneasy. And so they're in the, in the ship and Paul stands up. Now, I, I used to think about Paul standing up on the deck of the ship, but really with 275 some people, he wasn't on the deck of the ship. Plus the deck of the ship was dangerous. He was probably down in the, in the hold of the ship. And Paul stands up, Paul the prisoner, stands up in the middle of them. And he begins to offer a different perspective. And can you imagine being on that ship? I mean, it's going up and down and, and, and just probably people are, are feeling sick. People are feeling bad. People are scared. You could probably feel just the, the, the fear in there. It's wet, it's cold, it's dark. And Paul stands up and he offers a completely different perspective. First thing he offered was, he said, he identified with God. He said, I, I belong to God and I, and I serve God. That had to be brand new news to most of these people. We weren't talking about, this was not a Christian cruise. This was a group of people who had pretty much no idea who God was. And in their pagan religions, they didn't have that kind of connection with God. It had to be completely foreign with them. And then he declared his faith. His faith. He said, guys, I believe God. It's going to be exactly like God told me. So take courage. He had a great perspective. No one else 
had this kind of perspective. Everyone else had given up hope. But Paul stood up, a man who loved God, who believed God, who belonged to God, who said, we're going to make it out of this. Not anyone's going to die. And that was, those were encouraging words. And I would love to tell you that the storm stopped right then, but it didn't. It kept going. And it kept going and going, but Paul stood up one more time because he sensed it was about to, it was about to be over. And he shared this with them again. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. And after this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. And they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. I think it's so interesting to hear this one guy is, he's getting, actually he's getting older in his life. So he's older, he's Jewish, he's a prisoner. You would think a man like this would have no status, but his example actually lifted the spirits of the people around him. He's talking about a great strategy. He just, he just stands up and the first thing he said was, nobody's going to die. Man, that's, that's he, Paul is speaking what he believes in his heart. He's not speaking what he could see. Because what he could see was that storm had gotten worse. Everybody's hungry, hadn't eaten in two weeks. And he says, he says, guys, we're, we're, we're going to have to, to believe God because some, something good's about to happen, but you need to eat. And then he took bread and he thanked God right in the middle of it. I mean, you, you, you're thinking you're in a ship. The ship is tossing and turning and he stops and, and thanks God, acknowledging God is real and his example his example of faith lifted the spirits of that entire ship. And they all took some food. Spoiler alert, they all made it out alive. They lost the ship, but every single one of them made it alive to land. God's good. He knows how to take care of his people in a storm. So you hear that story and you think, well, what about me? What about, what about my life? How about strategies in a storm for us? And there are strategies that we can adopt now in a storm. Things that we can begin to do that will help us during the middle of this storm that we're going through. And I think one of the first thing is we need to bring a courageous perspective to the table. So how, 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 am, I gonna, how am I gonna bring? I, I read the news, I see what's going on, it's horrible. How in the world am I gonna bring a courageous perspective to the table? Listen, you can do that because you can identify, just like Paul, you can identify with being connected to God. You can identify with belonging to him. Listen, if you are, if you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, I don't care if you did it last week, if you, if you did it 40 years ago, you belong to him. You're his child. If you belong to him, that gives us confidence. He's not going to leave us alone. Not only can we belong to him, but we can serve him. And serve him as, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a staff member. You can just have a heart to see God's work and God's kingdom expand in the earth. And that's serving him. If you get involved in his kingdom and work, hey, you're valuable to him. He needs us. He needs us to carry out his work. So we belong to God and we're serving God. That gives us such a marvelous connection. And it gives us the confidence we're not in this alone. I love Joy's story of her stepfather. I had a good father. It's interesting. My dad was real, real big too. And when I was about five years old, we went to a, to a party. One of his, actually, it was his, his boss, the, the man he worked for. The boss had a party and we went as a family 
and I'm, I'm playing in, the, in the, the boss's swimming pool. Guy, guy was wealthy, had a nice swimming pool. And I'm swimming in the swimming pool. And my parents said, Alan, stay in this inn. You can't swim. And I really couldn't. And, I, and this was before they had those floaties. So I'm just out there solo in the pool. And I started messing around, getting closer and closer to the deep end. And I hit a, at an edge and started going down. And I was going under and I screamed out real loud, one word, daddy. And I, I can, I, like I said, I wasn't even five years old yet, but I can still see his face, almost see what he wore. As he turned towards me, the look on his face, he took about three huge steps and came in that pool. In fact, the tidal wave of him coming in the pool almost drowned me when he got me and, and picked me up and pulled me out. He didn't send anybody else in. He came himself because I belonged to him. Listen, we belong to God and we don't, we can have a confidence and a courage that we're his and we belong to him. He's a better father than Joy's dad. He's a better father than my father was. He is the father and he knows exactly how to take care of us. We belong to God and we believe God. This is a great time for us to declare we believe God. We believe God's promises his answers, his protection, his provision. We believe in the ability of the Holy Spirit to strengthen us and help us. And we believe the words that he whispers to our heart. Listen, as you're going through this, don't look, listen for his voice. Listen for those promptings and those urgings. I know a lot of people have said, you know, Alan, I, I just have a sense of peace. Well, that's, that's God ministering to our hearts. It's going to be okay. So we, we have a connection with him. Here's the second thing. I think it's key. This is a time to use faith-filled words to lift ourselves and to lift others. Now that's a strategy. That's a plan of action. Your words will either lift you or lower you. But regardless, they're going to locate you. Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. But this is a time to begin to speak God's words. This is a time to begin to speak that God's going to help us and that we're going to make it and that we're going to come through and your faith-filled words. We're not saying everything we see. Listen, guys, we see a lot of things. You just, you just look at a, at a headline and, and you can go into despair, but that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking headlines. We're not talking what's visible. What we're talking is what we believe in our heart and we believe that God is going to help us and he's going to bring us through this. Right before everything broke out. Everything was pretty calm. We heard a little bit about coronavirus, but at that time it was still more confined to China. We weren't as concerned about it over here. And I was reading one morning, just having my devotional time, and I was reading in the book of Isaiah. And I, I, as I was reading Isaiah 50, it's not a chapter I go to. It's not like a, a well-known chapter for me. But as I was reading Isaiah chapter 50, a verse just really stood out to me. It says, Isaiah 50, verse 7, it says this, For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know I will not be ashamed. When I read that, that verse just kind of went off in me, and I went, man, that's, that's, that's a great verse. That's a wonderful verse. And, I, and I, honestly, I, I wondered, God, why are you bringing this verse to me? Well, now I can see. I can see exactly what's going on. This was something that God was prompting me and kind of like Paul had a perception before the storm. This is God speaking to me 
in, in, in my heart beforehand. And the Holy Spirit has the ability to do that. He can speak to your heart a verse, a song. You'll hear something. You're like, man, that registers with me. And I begin to think, yeah. So you know, you know what I've been saying for a while? The Lord God will help me. The Lord God is the one who's helping us. People say, how y'all doing? God's helping us. God is helping us. He's protecting us. We're doing well. What am I doing? I'm simply speaking what I believe. But my words of faith lift me and they lift people around me. Your words can make such a difference. They can lift or they can lower. But I like that verse that said, I'll set my face like flint. That, that's, a, that's a biblical term that means you just kind of, we, we call it today game face. You just put the game face on. You're like, I'm, I am determined. I'm going through this situation because I know I will not be ashamed. I know I will not be disgraced when the dust settles because God's helping me. I'm going I'm to be standing. And so are you. When the dust settles, God's going to be helping you. So you declare what you believe, not what you see. And then here's another thing. Thank God. I really believe that what Joy said earlier and, and just a few weeks ago is a word for us. Thank God and take courage. Thanking God for what he's done. I am thanking God for his hand on our future. Not just in the past, but God's doing something good in the future and we're going to come out of this strong. And if you can thank God and take courage, you're going to make it all the way through. Quick parenting tip. Parents, I know we do everything we can to, to shield our children from adversity, but adversity and storms are part of life. So instead of just shielding them, here's a great idea. Sit down with them, talk to them, depending on their level of understanding. Explain these are some challenging times, but God's going to help us. And your calmness and your faith will mean such such strength to them. And your words can lift them, just like Paul's words lifted everyone on that ship. And they were encouraged. You can be an encouragement and an example to your family. And the last thing is this. Guys, don't give up hope. Those people on, on Paul's ship, they didn't know God. They exhausted everything they could do. They gave up hope. There's a lot of people out there that don't know who our good loving God is. And they're giving up hope, but you don't have to be one of them. I'm not going to be one of them. We can hold on to hope. One of my very favorite verses is found in Romans, the, the 15th chapter, verse 13. I don't even have to read it from the screen. I know this. Now, now may the God of peace give you all joy and peace in believing that you're the God of hope. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to read it from the screen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That'll teach me to brag. But here's the deal. The idea is this. We have a hope helper in the Holy Spirit. He helps us. He never whispers discouragement to our heart. He whispers help and strength to our heart. We have a hope helper and we have a God of hope who is our father. So we are children of hope. It hope which is positive expectation, is a family trait. I have, I married a beautiful brown-eyed bride. All of my children have brown eyes. All of my grandchildren have brown eyes. It is a family trait. Hope is our family trait. We may have different color eyes, but we have the same God of hope. And if we've got the same God of hope, we can have hope because he has never abandoned us and he never will. Dallas Willard was a wonderful minister and Christian philosopher that told the story of a young boy who lost his mother. He was an only child and it really unsettled him. He was very young when he lost his mom. 
And he would lie down at night to go to sleep and he's just having a hard time sleeping. So he asked his father, he said, he said, Father, it's so dark. Can I come into your room and sleep? And the dad said, yes, you can sleep in my room. The little boy laid down in his father's room and he's lying there. He said, Father, it's still so dark. I, I, I can't sleep. He said, is your face turned toward me? And the father smiled and said, I know you can't see me, son, but my face is turned toward you. You're not alone. And the little boy was able to sleep. Listen, I love what Joy shared. She was so right that the message it continues to resonate. We're not abandoned. We're not alone. God's with us. His face is turned toward us. We're going to make it through this. Now, listen, if you're here and you've never had a, re a relationship with the Lord, or maybe your relationship with the Lord has just gotten so far removed, you got busy with life, and you realize today, I need to make that change. We're going to say a prayer. And I'm just, I'm going to lead you in it. You can pray out right along with me. We're going to pray it out. Just pray it out loud so you can hear yourself pray. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. And I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.